Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Brian Fox to do a recap of the Mises Caucus takeover of the Libertarian Party from this past weekend. Today's episode was recorded today, Sunday, June 5th, 2022. I appreciate you tuning in. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. We're going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line, where I am now joined by returning guest. We have Brian Fox. Brian is on Twitter as at KYBourbonSnob. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Kelly. How are you? I'm doing very well. Really appreciate you joining me. Brian, of course, lives in the Louisville area, as do I. And we have similar, I guess you could say we probably have very similar views politically on, on domestic and foreign policy, things like that. Um, I think it's a very fascinating topic, the world of the, the liberty movement, regardless of which way you look at it. There are, as some would say, maybe different ways to skin a cat. You know, Rand Paul, for example, has made it all the way to the Senate and is, for whatever degree, he is trying to implement a, a liberty-centric strategy uh, within the 100-person the Senate in the United States. On the other side of the spectrum would be what's called the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, okay? Brian, if it's all right, I like to do this every time we talk about this type of topic. If you could set the stage or you could help me to set the stage what is the Mises Caucus and what's different about the Mises Caucus versus what the Libertarian Party has been, I think, since 2007, really. It's kind of been under the certain current leadership or former leadership. But what's the difference between the Mises Caucus and what many know as the Libertarian Party? Sure. And that's actually a great question to get into. Uh, effectively, the Mises Caucus, which was founded by Michael Heiss and a few friends, uh, a few of which I actually know well personally, 
Um, it started out around 2015, 2016, and um, it was basically the idea that the, the, the uh, former LP leadership was not really messaging or, how shall we say, um, their goal, their vision was not in line with uh, the Ron Paul approach. And uh, when I say that, what I mean is economics, um, personal property, anti-war, and um, a few other things that I think most people would consider to be the standard, very understood libertarian approach from years ago, which I guess for it would be easy to kind of be confused because since 2016 and probably even before, the Libertarian Party under the old Libertarian, um, or under the old leadership, really changed their vision, their messaging in such a way that it really turned people off or really diluted the meaning of the Liberty message. So it's, it's understandable that there's a lot of memes and a lot of criticisms about the Libertarian Party as a result. So the Liber so the Mises Caucus was founded by Michael Heiss in an effort to re-energize the Ron Paul Revolution and to emphasize property rights, Austrian economics, um, you know, and the Fed. Things that Ron Paul made popular, we are going to re-engage from that approach. And it's really the essence of liberty that most even constitutional conservatives um, people who like the ideas of the Constitution, um, matters that most people would probably normally relate to that hasn't, hasn't really been the highlight of the LP for the last, you know, six plus years. So that's really what the Mises Caucus is all about. You know, it's really not even a culture issue. Um, the opponents of the Mises Caucus have largely tried to uh, Mirror and label the Mises Caucus as uh, bigots, as uh, racist, homophobe, you know, pretty much all the typical colorful, you know, sort of uh, labels. But the reality is we have so such a diverse crowd within our group that it has nothing to do with it. And a lot of that stems from the immigration, from um, our approach to covering Trump, and a lot of things in which we basically did not overtly hate on Trump in the way that they did. I mean, we definitely hate Trump. I mean, we definitely had a problem with his gun policy with, uh, Yemen. Um, we had a lot hard time with the way he approached, uh, law and order. So there were definitely many issues that we had with Trump, but I think where they went wrong was the fact that they assumed that we were kind of in bed with this right wing populism when in reality, you know, so first of all, a lot of libertarians are coming from the right-wing spectrum. So there's definitely going to be some crossover in the terms of private culture. It's just that we understand that there's a role for the state that should be minimized, and we really don't want the state involved in culture, and we want to roll back the state to such a degree that all people are empowered. But the, uh, the critics, the people that hate, the most they'd ever understood that or in actuality they're coming from the left side of the spectrum and they were trying to push the culture war and some of the more famous tweets about it's not enough to be anti-racist you must be actively anti-racist and a lot of other things that they were really pandering to blm so that's where a lot of that the history is and uh 
you know, kind of what that Mises Caucus focus is all about is really just traditional liberty. What a lot of people don't know, unless they're really involved in the meat and potatoes of the Libertarian Party or the Liberty Movement, is ever since the inception, back in 19, I believe it was 71, there has always been a fringe element or maybe not even a fringe element, but a, a group of people, uh, maybe maybe like Vermin Supreme or, or some others kind of like that, who are within, call themselves anarcho, uh, whatever the verbiage would be, libertarians, but left-leaning uh, anarchists who aren't as opposed to even socialism and things like that. A very interesting group of people that are within the Libertarian Party or it very up until very recently were a part of the Libertarian Party, I should say. But it, it seems to me, Brian, that through the Mises Caucus, through Michael Heiss, through Dave Smith, Tom Woods, Robbie Bernstein, all those guys, what they're doing is they are taking it to a very Ron Paul-centric type of uh, direction. So not Republican, I mean, the, the foreign policy stance and the spending stances are very not Republican. So it's not a Republican direction at all, but they are differentiating themselves from that uh, uh, group of people within the Libertarian Party who would be described as left-leaning Libertarians. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree 100%. I would even go so far as to say true liberty ignores the culture in terms of the role of the state. And I think that's the problem that we had with the old LP is they were trying to affect culture as opposed to trying to take on the state. And I think a big part of that comes from they weren't really as much interested in liberty as much as they were interested in working together with institutions to affect culture. And I think that's where the big distinction comes from is most within the Mises caucus, while we might identify personally in conservative sort of, of a sort of point of view, like many of us are former right-wingers, we don't want the state to be involved in that culture. We want to be left alone. And we want to call out the state and the establishment for matters in which they do affect us personally. And if you notice that the former leadership, they were not, they wanted the exact opposite. They wanted the LP to be a mechanism by which, culture could be affected, but more towards the left wing, you know, persuasion. So yeah, there would definitely was that concern. So that's kind of how we approach it is we just want to make sure that the state is minimized, marginalized to, to whatever degree is possible and just leave it alone on that level. But there's a lot of people who I would say are pretty well, are very well read, are very smart intellectually, but they just couldn't grasp how much, where our differences were. And so sometimes it's easy to wonder, are they being disingenuous? Are they being dishonest? Are they just dumb? It's kind of hard to really say because I've known a lot of people who identified with the old LP leadership and I'm thinking, and they're really, I think Trump derangement syndrome really broke a lot of people. I think it really did. I think so many people got fixated on Trump that that's really what just, it just made it impossible for these people to be rational to think critically, to be reasonable. They just were unable to do that. Brian, so I, I'm not sure if I answered your, po- no, your question you, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I believe you did very, very well. Um, and, and the accusations of bigotry are 
Of course, in 2022, people from the woke left call so many people racist or, or bigots or homophobic that it's almost lost any of its uh, um, validity. But one, one to address that, one interview that I recently watched was in 2018, Patrick Bet David, very famous podcaster, Iranian guy, I think he leans libertarian or conservative. The guy that we mentioned from the last episode, I believe. Exactly, yeah. A big podcaster, very successful businessman. Not woke at all, but he is a minority. He's Arabic or Middle Eastern. In an interview he did with Ron Paul himself back in 2018, I just watched that a couple days ago. And Patrick Bet David said to Ron Paul in the interview, Ron, I think we need to get your message out to more minority groups, whether it's Middle Eastern or Arabic or Hispanic or African American, I think they could really benefit from your messaging. And I found it very intriguing, Brian, the way Ron Paul immediately answered that. Okay. He did not shy away from the issue. He said, Patrick, the only issue, and I'm, I'm not quoting, it's not verbatim. So I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said, the only issue with appealing to certain groups is inherently that group will say, what is it, Ron? What is it you're going to do for me? And Ron said, the answer is I'm not going to do anything for you. So it's not as sellable. So some could interpret that as, as, (laughs) as being bigoted because you're not pandering to certain groups or any type of group, not the Irish or the Italian or anything like that. But I thought he answered it in a very uh, direct way. And if you want to interpret that as being bigoted, that's on you, man. I mean, I don't know, but I I like how he answered it. Right. Right. So I think, like I said, so I don't, I've never actually listened to that interview. And I will tell you this much. Um, this is something I've tried to do with a local local uh, city councilman, Ja'Cory Arthur, that we've referred to before. And this is something that when I have had discussions with uh, left-leaning people in person, when I try to sell them on liberty and why liberty benefits people of color, uh, minorities in general, you know, regardless of whether you're, um, you know, you're gay, you're an immigrant or whoever, liberty benefits you because it, allows you to make the most of your freedom and to do with your, to do with your means is to uh, maximize your ability to prosper as possible and to be empowered, meaning it's market freedom. So we try to roll back the state so that you can pursue financial business success in any way, shape possible, whether you want to be an entrepreneur, work for somebody and work your way up, you know, whatever you want to do to become successful in the business sector and then empowering you as far as like, you know, in terms of, you know, to be able to protect yourself. Like, you know, we, we don't, we see gun control as racist and we know it's got race, you know, it's got a racist history, but more so we want everybody to be armed and able to defend themselves. And that's another thing that I think is laughable when people say that libertarians or the Mises caucus are, you know, bigoted because I want nothing more than everybody to enjoy their natural right to self-defense and let everybody to be able to have a gun to be empowered against criminals including the state. So I think it's just laughable when people say that we're anti-immigrant or we're anti-minority because we want them to succeed in the market and to be empowered to protect themselves as well. And so I think when people talk about what is liberty going to do for minorities, I think it's going to be, I think you've got to be very clever in how you, you say that so that it makes sense to them without lying about it at the same time because they get words and concepts mixed up. 
we're going to do more for you, but instead of giving you something tangible like a paycheck or a benefit or an entitlement, what we're going to do instead is we're going to create a more prosperous market where you can find financial success for yourself. That's what we're going to do for you. We're going to open up and increase your opportunity for success. But unfortunately, people are so used to for so many generations thinking, well, I want something that personally benefits me as opposed to everybody else. The the whole perspective on how things work has been very skewed. So we need to change that and make them understand that liberty benefits everybody. There's no more, you know, special interests. There's no more um, special deals for certain groups of people. Okay, so... Uh, we gave a what I would describe as a pretty good description of the Mises Caucus and how it differentiates from the previous leadership of the Libertarian Party. There's really a lot of angles to this, but you said Michael Heiss founded the Mises Caucus, I believe, in 2016. Come 2020, the Mises Caucus was supporting Jacob Hornberger to be the Libertarian Party presidential candidate. Somehow, through the previous leadership, Nicholas Sarwark, and really a bunch of woke cowards, um, insisted instead on somehow manipulating the system, and Jacob Hornberger did not get the nomination. Instead, it was Joe Jorgensen, and Joe Jorgensen went on to campaign and implement a pretty woke political strategy. So it did not work. And guys like Dave Smith, I'm constantly mentioning Dave Smith because he's arguably right now the hottest name within the Libertarian Party. He's a comedian. He's constantly on some of the biggest podcasting platforms in the entire world, which is the biggest media in the world right now. Um, So they, they took action to support and to promote this Mises Caucus and This past weekend, we're recording this episode today, Sunday, June 5th, 2022. Uh, Last weekend, which was Saturday the 28th, and Sunday, May 29th, 2022, the Mises Caucus showed up, everyone showed up to Reno, Nevada for the Libertarian Party National Convention, which occurs every year. And what was the result? Every two years. Oh, I'm sorry. Every two years. Thank you. Um, What was the result of this uh, uh, Libertarian National Party convention last weekend, Brian? Well, we took that bitch over. You you say the Mises Caucus took over. What does that mean? They they elected for for multiple seats and the Mises Caucus won the most most important seats? We clean sweeped all the positions or nearly all the positions. Um, I think on both the uh, board as well as all the regions we pretty much took everything uh we are in the driver's seat and by that i mean we have full control of the party the platform everything going forward um and so i will say this um i was not there at the convention i was not necessarily following that closely but i will say this um angela mccardle the newly elected uh chair she was recently featured on Michael Malice, you're welcome. And she did an episode with him where she explained from her point of view what took place. And then also our caucus chairman, Michael Heiss, 
He was featured recently on Tom Woods, where he also gave a breakdown of what happened. And he did a really good play-by-play breakdown of everything. So for those who are interested in the sort of inside baseball of how the takeover happened from Friday through Sunday in regards to the elections and the changes in all the, uh, the platform, listen to those two podcasts. You know, again, Angela McArdle, the chairperson, who uh, was interviewed by Michael Malice, and then Michael Heiss, who is the caucus chair, who was interviewed by Tom Woods. Those two interviews will give you a really good, concise, comprehensive breakdown of everything that happened. So we took over. Um, if you're on Twitter, if you're following L- the LP page, you're going to see a huge, like as of recently, I think it was just about two days ago, two to three days ago, just read the tweets. I mean, you can just, so the biggest one was, you know, we are now the party of Ron Paul. You're um, those who were Ron, following Ron Paul now have a home within the Libertarian Party. Um, we've been emphasizing anti-war, anti-Fed, you know, just a lot of the good Liberty core messaging is back. And that's really what we've been trying to do. And that's what it's all about. Um, now, there are some people who will raise the issue of elections. Um, I think it's important to note, elections are definitely a part of the overall strategy but it is not our intent or even assumption that we're going to win a presidential election anytime soon. Um, the goal is first and foremost to use the platform to win the hearts and minds, to grow the movement, to grow the amount of people that are liberty minded supporting the liberty message. And then therefore bring them into the party and grow the party through elections as well. But I think the old LP, votes. They were just trying to get people to just turn their back on the old party system, which is fine. But if you don't give them something to be impassioned about and to really work for, then it's not really a lasting transition. So what we found was when they ran Gary Johnson and they got a lot of votes, but they didn't really grow the party. I mean, they got some memberships, but they didn't really get any enthusiasm. They didn't get any growth. There wasn't any kind of a movement per se. And uh, I think an argument can be made that the intention was never to really grow the Libertarian Party as much as for the Libertarian Party to serve as controlled opposition for the establishment. That's just my personal assumption. I don't think they ever really cared about liberty, to be honest with you. I think they were just trying to make it something that was not too radical, not too uh, controversial, something that could be considered respectable by the mainstream. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're trying to be respectable by the mainstream, you're not about liberty and you're definitely not anti-government. Okay. I have been very intrigued with both sides of this takeover. I listened to an episode. I I can't believe I'm giving them a shout out, but if someone really wants to listen, it's the neoliberal podcast. They had Andy Craig and Joe Bishop Henchman on the neoliberal podcast just a couple days ago, doing a recap of what took over. And for those of you who don't know, Joe Bishop Henchman and Andy Craig are both previous members of the Libertarian Party about as woke, and I say woke in a very negative way. Uh, what I mean by woke is coward. And they, they 
uh, were a part of the Libertarian Party before, and so I got to hear their side of it just because I'm fucking intrigued. I don't know why I like to hear this type shit, but they basically said the party, the Mises Caucus, took over the Libertarian Party, and the Mises Caucus is a bunch of people who are proud to be white supremacists, fascists, uh, uh, white separatists, and they don't even try to hide it is what they were saying. Um, Another, Um, before I, I want to throw a couple things out there and then I'd be interested to hear your rebuttal. But Brian, another thing they said is, why are we trying to take the Libertarian Party in a different direction when in 2012 and 2016 and then even 2020, according to them, so Gary Johnson ran, a former Republican, ran as a, a libertarian in 2012, 2016, and 20, and then in 2020, it was Joe Jorgensen. Statistically, those were, according to them, very successful campaigns when it comes to the total number of votes they got. So why is this white supremacist, white nationalist organization trying to take over when they're already having so much success? So that was kind of the tune of it. Brian, what are your responses to that so first of all it's going to be based on what is your metric of success if your sole metric of success is votes and maybe some registrations then cool yeah you did pretty well but let's also take that in context in 2016 you had quite possibly two of the worst candidates in the you know that have ever been nominated you had trump and you had hillary nobody liked either of them i mean like just literally these are the absolute worst people possible. It was a golden opportunity for the LP to put up somebody who could be liked and respected and have a really good sort of a, hi, we can have an, uh, you know, a sort of an alternative, a principled alternative. And they gave us Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. Bill Weld is a neocon. Gary Johnson had gone woke by then. In 2012, he was not so bad. In 2012, he was actually, I would say, more respectable. But by 2016, he was completely checked out. And um, they're just, you know, they were trying to win people that were just basically moderates who were just disgusted with both sides. So they weren't really putting up anybody that was very desirable by people who had principles of limited government. And so that's what really instigated the Mises caucus. And then, and of course, in 2020, we put up Joe Jorgensen, who is not a bad libertarian per se. She's just not a very good spokesperson. She's not a very good leader for that role. And, uh, yeah, that's just, it was a missed opportunity. So, um, we didn't have control. It was still the, the, the original LP establishment people. So that's pretty much what happened. So, we're not going to um, measure our success the same way that we do. We're not going to look at it as in terms of votes. We're going to look at it as in terms of growing the movement. It will eventually translate into votes and registrations, but first you have to get that message out there. You got to get that bullhorn. You got to get on that, you know, that bully pulpit. You got to use that platform to win people over. And then as soon as you win people over, then you start transforming the party and making a party a force to be reckoned with. But really what they were doing is they were targeting disaffected partisans. They weren't targeting the liberty-minded people. They were targeting people who were Democrats and Republicans and moderates who just were disgusted with the two parties, which, fair enough, but they weren't principled either. So they weren't really making a change for the liberty movement. They were just picking off low-hanging fruit 
that didn't want to vote Republican or Democrat. And that's not really anything to be proud of, especially if you espouse the virtues of liberty. And in regards to Andy Craig, Joseph Bishop Henchman, and a few others who I really don't even feel like deserve to even be named, and I hate even to name those two. Let's look at this one. If we were to compare notes on what liberty means to us, slashing the state, slashing the bureaucracy, slashing taxation and regulation, um, bringing the troops home, slashing the DOD, um, reforming the justice system, ending the drug war, ending the Federal Reserve, um, restoring property rights and gun rights, um, just so many basic liberty things. I don't know how you can really call us bigoted, homophobic, or right-wing Trumpians when we want to do all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's really what we want. So even on immigration, I think there's a lot of people within the Mises Caucus that are all about letting the migrants come here, and we want them to be able to come here peacefully. We just want to respect property rights, which means, hey, look, there's a lot of people who live on the border that have to endure a lot of difficulties of being able to protect their property because they literally live on the border and they have migrants coming through. And there's a lot of different types of solutions we could look at. One, end the drug war, and you end about 75 to 80% of the violence and the traffic that comes through. And then if you can open up you know, a way to a, a path, a clean and safe pathway for migrants to come through, then that also helps out a lot. Now, let's also consider, to a smaller degree, there's the issue of um, voting, of uh, state benefits, things that attract migrants other than just the, the prospect of work. Well, then, fine, we can work on that too. But that would apply to all citizens, not just migrants. And we want to ref- we want to you know slash the welfare state as well. We want to we want to abolish as much of the state as possible. We want to decentralize the government as much as possible. We want to minimize the reach of the federal government and reduce more and reduce it to such a degree that it is insignificant and give the states more of their powers back. So, so much of that, if we could do that, I don't see how anybody who really declares themselves to want liberty could argue against that. I really don't. So, That, to me, is the test that they're not really interested in being anti-government. They're just trying to push cultural issues. They're promoting a culture. And that's the difference. I mean, so when I say these people are not, they're either not acting in good faith or they're just not really interested in liberty the way that we are. I hate that I have to continually go back to it, but I've mentioned it a couple or a few times already, the accusations of being bigoted or racist. The earlier I referenced these super woke people, I'll include Joe Jorgensen, Andy Craig, and, you know, a lot of them, the establishment libertarian types as being, I said, cowards. Okay. And the reason I say that, and I'm curious as to if you agree with my assessment, is not because I support racism in any type. I actually take pride in, you know, if I meet someone from a different culture or who doesn't look like me, you know, getting to know them and being very respectful to them. And it's very important to me to make sure my kids do the same. Okay. The reason I say they're cowards is because they are so quick to call people racist and they expect someone such as myself, and I'm sure you and Dave Smith and so many within this uh, uh, movement, 
They expect if you call them cowards, those people should say, oh, no, I'm not a racist. Here's my proof. Let me jump through whatever hoops are necessary for me to jump through so that I cannot be racist according to you. And in my opinion, that is the epitome of being a fucking coward. What are your thoughts on my assessment? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I'm kind of over it, really, because I've heard this shit for so many years that I kind of feel like that it's like it's been rehashed for years and years and years, and it's so dumb. Um, look, first of all, let's just put the facts out there. We have a very diverse group of people within our caucus. There's We have openly trans, gay, um, people of color, people of different ethnicities, we have migrants. We have all kinds of people within our caucus. For anyone to suggest that we're a bunch of white supremacists, just look at who makes up our caucus. Okay, second of all, liberty. The essence of liberty that we're pushing. We want all people to be empowered, okay? If I was genuinely, if any person of liberty was genuinely really had an issue with racism of any kind or bigotry of any kind, would we want to empower the people that we claim to hate? Does that make any sense at all? This is how I know that these people are stupid. Look, it's about thought. It's about culture. They want to push a message of you must be not only tolerant, but accepting of people of different personal moral values. Well, quite honestly, that's not the role of the state or a political party. I should Freedom of association is what we're all about. Look, you may not like religious people. There's a lot of atheists that are very bigoted towards people of faith. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. And I'm certainly not looking for a political solution for people who have a problem with my faith. Likewise, I don't care if a person is gay. And look, there's going to be some people who have a problem with people who are different alternative lifestyles. Cool. The test is how do you treat them and how do you want them to be treated? We want all people to be treated fairly and equally, period. Nothing more, nothing less. So when what they're really saying is, is if you don't cater to these people, if you don't hold them up high, if you don't want to give them a special place in your heart, well, no, that's not what liberty is about. So we just genuinely have a different view on what liberty means. So if I want to empower a person of color or a person who's an immigrant, then that's really not, then I'm not really a bigot. I'm not really a hater. So you have to, you're working from the wrong perspective of what the definition of that word means. Okay, so we have adequately addressed what is the Mises Caucus, what the takeover entailed this past weekend right outside Reno, Nevada. What's next? What can we look forward to? Of course, there will be an election in, what is it, 2024 that we, we of course, can look forward to. But between now and then, Brian, what are your thoughts and and, and uh, what, what do we see coming from the Mises caucus in the upcoming months and years? Um, I can tell you that in the generic sense, in the short term, it's about letting everybody know that there's a new sheriff in town, that, uh, we are promoting a different message and a different, you know, I guess, political culture of what that message means. So first we're trying to make, you know, there's a lot of people who have no idea what has happened and that it's going to take some time. We're going to have to have all our allies and all our people maximizing their reach through social media, through podcasts, through whatever means that they have available to them to say, hey, look, we're running this and this is what we're promoting and this is what we're about. And if you share these common values, then join us. You know, if you want that liberty, that genuine liberty of 
limited government, a fiscal sanity of ending these wars, you know, personal property, a free market, if that's really what you want, then join us because you're not going to get that from the Republican or Democrat parties. Look, we don't necessarily hate anybody in those parties per se, but they're not going to give you any of that. They're not promoting any of that. They're, they're all about spending. They're all about big military and big government in some way. So they're really not going to meet you where you want them to, because that's not what they're interested in. Look, they might have, they're going to share some crossover value in terms of what they would call limited government or in personal freedoms and civil liberties, but it's going to be very, it's going to be very minimum. So what the leadership has in mind for, let's just say six months from now or a year from now, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of, uh, how shall we say, issue coalitions that the leadership will be working on with a lot of different people in regards to criminal justice reform, um, drug laws, gun laws, a lot of different things, ballot access, politics. We're going to be working with a lot of different groups to work together. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of work to be done in terms of just promoting the message and getting the word out to bring people in. And I think we're just going to try to grow the caucus, grow the party from there. Um, that's really the best thing I can tell you. But I mean, honestly, from my perspective, that's really all that matters is once people become aware that the Libertarian Party is now the home of people who value true liberty, I think everything else will start to fall into place. And people will realize, oh, wow, this is what we really all want. This isn't just something that we talk about. This is something that we genuinely live. And we can anticipate guys like Dave Smith to continue to be on huge platforms such as the Joe Rogan Experience, Tim Pool's show, which ironically, both of those guys identify as as lefties, which is wild. But regardless, I think the, the reach of someone like Dave Smith and, and hell, you, you said it, Angela McArdle. I mean, she sounds absolutely great herself too, but I think they can continue to grow and to be on bigger platforms and hopefully to continue to reach out to even more and more people over time. Absolutely. Um, don't forget there's a Tim Cass, Tim Pool, his group of people. They talk about us quite a bit. They're familiar with what we've got going on. So. I would say there's going to be at least a couple, there's going to be at least a minimum of about the next few months of just really getting the word out, getting people aware of what's going on, organizing our people, getting the fundraising up. It's about just getting all our ducks in a row to move forward and to just grow the movement is really what growing the movement is really kind of what it comes down to. How it translates into political dividends is for other people who are more dialed in on that that's not something that i'm very familiar with but michael heist he's very talented he's very smart he's got an idea he's got a great team of people that are he's working with and um so if you're on facebook the libertarian party mises caucus is going to be a great facebook group for you to join to get plugged into to find out what we're doing and what we're up to for the conversations that we're having and for what's going on on Twitter, you know, Dave Smith, Angela McArdle, um, anybody that's on the uh, current board, follow the Libertarian Party chain, um, Libertarian Party uh, account. Um, just get plugged in and just see what we're all about if we're new to you, just to learn what we're all about. But ultimately, that's what's going to happen is we're going to just focus on growing the party, building coalitions, and just moving forward. 
I absolutely love it. Brian Fox, once again, on Twitter at, at KY Bourbon Snob. If anyone listening is interested in learning more, of course, follow Brian. Brian, thank you very much for your time. I look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks as always, Kelly. Appreciate it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.